This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. As you know, Everton announced an extension with Fanatics as our official kit or uh, merchandise dealer. What do you think about that? It seems from what the club announced that it's going to be a really good deal. It's going to be an expansion on the the existing deal that we have with them already, which was made at a time when we weren't in the best place financially. Uh, Now with the increased resources we have, our expanding brand, signing bigger name players who probably have higher demand for for kits and jerseys. Uh, It seems from everyone that around the club is really excited about it. Fans, it seems like a good expansion on the existing deal. There's not a lot of details as far as the financial specifics of it, but just at face value, I'm pretty excited about it. Specifically the expansion of international availability because as you know Alex it is virtually impossible to buy an Everton kit locally in the United States Uh, you usually have to buy directly from the Everton store overseas which is fine but not exactly convenient so hopefully you know the availability ramps up yeah you know I, I couldn't understand why we could never purchase it locally but in reading essentially it seems like Everton just weren't in the financial position previously when they signed these deals with Fanatics to kind of push for international distribution. And so the way they're talking now, as you said, details weren't really announced, but they're talking about vertical vertical integration models and that sort of thing. So hopefully that means that we will see it in stores like Dick's and that sort of thing really soon. And then on the same topic, you realized that Umbro, our partnership with Umbro, runs out in May. Yeah, so the the deal with Umbro that we've had for the past several years is expiring in May, so we can expect to hear some news regarding whether that deal will be extended and expanded similar to the Fanatics deal, or if we're going to switch up entirely uh, and, and go with a new manufacturer. The two deals with Fanatics and Umbro are completely separate, so if we were to switch, it would not affect the Fanatics deal at all. What do you think about potentially switching to a different manufacturer. Do you have a preference? Do you think we should stick with Umbro? What are your thoughts? I'd like to see us switch it up. I know a lot of people liked the Nike kits from back in the day. (laughs) Now, in the last couple years, all the Nike kits have seemed to be almost exact, especially when you're looking at the different international kits. I really don't want Adidas, but uh, I, I don't know. I I, I want to switch, but I don't know what I'd like. What about you? I'd be totally fine with keeping with Umbro. I think it kind of I mean historically relevant. They've they manufactured Everton Everton's kits throughout history. I'm pretty happy with what we've seen from their design designs that they've done for us thus far. I do have an old school or not an old school, but one of the Nike kits from when they were our manufacturer, uh, and we had the the badge switch up the short lived kind of weird looking badge. Uh, so, and I, I do like it. It's the yellow and blue one. Big fan of that kit. Some people thought it was really ugly. Personally, I'm okay with sticking with Umbro. I, I really would like to see us get rid of the Angry Birds logo on the sleeve. That's just my personal preference. I'm not a fan of that at all for the aesthetic of it. Um, but so I think, you know, keeping with Umbro and then looking at potential other sponsors for the kit itself, also not the biggest fan of Sport Paisa. I think the gambling angle 
though that seems to be the way that a lot of clubs are going, I would prefer a more wholesome brand. Well, let me ask you this, though. So you go into a Nike store or you go into an Adidas store here in the States. Have you ever seen an Umbro store? No, I have never seen an Umbro retail store in the United States. So so I guess my thought process is that if you go with one of the big names, obviously Nike is the biggest, followed probably by Adidas, could that be another avenue also for distribution and availability in the United States for all the American fans? That could very well be the case. I do think, you know, of course the retail the stock demands are predicated upon demand for the product itself. So like they're not going to stock Everton jerseys if no one's buying them. And I just, I, it's such a niche at this time. We're not a fan base in the United States, like a Chelsea, Manchester United, et cetera, et cetera, where we're going to be demanding those types of jerseys. And you don't even see regularly those teams kits in a normal outlet. You, you almost need like a specialty soccer retailer to find any kind of kit and so whether that switching to a big brand like nike or adidas would mean that you could pop on down to your local dicks or nike outlet or adidas outlet and pick up a richarlison kit i'm not totally sold on that necessarily but it it does of course those are bigger brands more expansive more access so it wouldn't surprise me to see a switch and i would i would definitely rock an everton nike kit or an Adidas kit. I think they look really good. Uh, but like you said, the concerns about the generic designs where you get the same template for a kit as 10 other teams worldwide. I don't really like that. I like kind of the unique. And we even have that with Umbro now. Like other clubs have the similar designs, but they do seem to emphasize some uniqueness with it. I just want the uh, the button-up Chang kit again, but I guess I'm somewhat picky. So moving on. There has been a leak of some images of the stadium, I guess, from a meeting that Dan Mees had with the board from a couple months ago. A lot of fans were saying that they liked the images. Some were saying that they seemed kind of mediocre. But in terms of what this leak means, right, is it do you do you view it as a negative thing, James, that the photos were leaked, and we know for a fact that they're not finalized. Otherwise, they would have been officially released. No, I think fans have been clamoring to get some sort of glimpse into the plans for the stadium design for some time. If I know one thing about Evertonians is that there will always be someone who finds something to complain about. I think the fact that it's important to keep in mind that the designs are very tentative and they're early, and they're probably even several months old at this point. So there's likely been revisions to it. First impressions, I think it's really solid. We're getting a new stadium. The fans have been very closely consulted by the club. Something that, you know, if you're a fan of, for example, an NFL team, you're not really going to be consulted on the design of the stadium. And that's just kind of the nature of the NFL and, and you know, big American sports franchises. I think sort of maybe those in England kind of take that aspect of it for granted and you can't please everybody no matter what. So I'm happy with what I've seen so far. Just looking, you know, we've seen the the new Spurs stadium videos of it. It looks magnificent, stands very close to the pitch, some fantastic design. I think our stadium 
is going to be incredible as well. And when the further designs come out, I'm looking forward to any further developments. What about you? What what were your thoughts on seeing the initial sketches and mock-ups? I like it. I mean, it's obviously going to be much bigger than Goodison Park. Obviously, the location is fantastic. Everton released their uh, community consultation that said essentially 94% of the fans that took the uh, consultation quiz agreed that they really liked the location. I'm just, I guess the only reason why I would be cautious cautious would be the fact that, you know, if it changes and then people's hopes are up for this or that, then that might cause an issue. But at the same time, how much could it really change in terms of, you know, size or, you know, location, those things are going to be the biggest factor. So I guess it's probably not the biggest deal. Yeah, it's still early. We're moving forward with the project. The club have done a good job with keeping us in the loop. Maybe not as good as they could do, but again, relative to the overall sports franchise world, it's been very closely, you know, they're very close to the fans, keeping us involved, specifically those in Liverpool, but also, you know, reaching out to international fans as well and, and seeing what we think. So I'm overall happy with it. All right. So next up, James, Ghana talked to media about PSG and his proposed move over January. Obviously, he said that he was disappointed with the fact that he didn't get the opportunity. He said he's going to continue to work hard and hope that another quote-unquote team like that will come again. Do you think that that's a negative thing for him to do while away, or in general? No, I honestly respect his professionalism in handling the whole ordeal. Of course, if a club like PSG competing in the Champions League, you've got world international superstars all over the pitch, a club with essentially limitless funds to pay wages and buy players. If that type of player comes in, that type of club comes in for you, you're going to want to go, especially him being, you know, having spent extensive time in France. He speaks French. He wanted to go, but he said in the same same breath that he respects Everton, the club that gave him an opportunity to grow and rise to the point where a club like PSG wants him and that he'll continue to fight for the shirt. And it's in his best interest to continue playing well, because then if he were to another club were to come in for him in the summer, he'll probably be allowed to go at that point. We just couldn't afford to lose him in January. Right. And you look at the fact that he came from Aston Villa after being relegated and Without a doubt, nobody will convince me otherwise. He's been the most consistent player for Everton since he joined a couple of years ago. Okay. He's always had his head down, done what he's supposed to do. On top of that, he's going to be turning 30 in the next less than less than a year, I guess, maybe close to six months, something like that. I'm not sure his birthday off the top of my head, but at that point, he deserves it. He goes from literally being relegated to consistently performing for, I hate that I have to say this a mid-table team in the Premier League. And so he deserves it. And on top of that, he came back after the window closed and he performed like nothing happened. So, you know, the difference with Lukaku was the fact that he would say it literally every three months. And, you know, you could tell that his attitude was not the same. Whereas Ghana... You, you wouldn't know a difference if the commentators didn't spout off about it every five minutes during a match. Right. And so hopefully we can finish the season on a high note. 
Ghana continues to play a key role for us, and then we can find a suitable replacement for him in the summer. I'm sure that Marco Silva and Marcel Brands have been lining up replacements. And we know because we've had this discussion quite a bit that he doesn't exactly neatly fit into what Marco Silva wants to do tactically. And so though he's been our best player, perhaps we can find a replacement who suits that deep-lying playmaker role better and move Ghana on. I think we may not get the 25, 30 million that Ghana stated that PSG offered, but we will still make a substantial profit on him. And we'll just use that to, you know, buy a more improved player. So lastly, before we get to community questions, I just wanted to share a really interesting statistics. It's actually a, a graph, but obviously I can't share that. So from Ashwin Rahman on Twitter, he does like tactical analysis, statistics, that sort of thing. And he compiled a Premier League expected goals for and against graph. And it shows Everton essentially expected goals for added with the expected goals against Everton are above average. So that tells you that Everton compete in expansive matches, right? But when you take the difference between expected goals against and expected goals for, we are actually about negative five. So what that tells you is while we're playing expansive matches, this season we have been expected to concede five more than we score. And on top of that, if you look at our goal difference, that tells you that our differential is actually better than our expected. So I'm not sure that we could even argue that overall we've been unlucky. What do you think, James? Yeah, the problems that we have experienced this season, defending early on, we had a lot of issues defending against the counterattack because of our willingness to get forward, to push to press high, and then if teams were able to break that press, we were very susceptible on the break. Lately, that hasn't been the case as much, and it's been the concern has been defending set pieces and dead balls, and that has been really, really bad. Uh, another little stat to throw at you, the only Premier League teams to concede more goals from set pieces than Everton this year were Marco Silva's Hull team and Marco Silva's Watford team. So it is a huge red flag that we can't defend set pieces to save our lives. Hoping that over this period, this little break, that that's something that they're working on improving. And I, I don't think it's totally unfair. I mean, I, I think it's pretty reflective of what we've seen. We don't create a ton of chances, good chances, and we concede a lot of stupid fouls and give teams balls in good positions and give them good opportunities to score. So it's nothing particularly surprising to me. I agree with you. It's it's just unfortunate to look at because you're like, oh, wow. Okay, that's cool. We, we kind of know that. Everton play some exciting matches, probably most most mostly for neutral viewers. But then you see, okay, I guess it's exciting, but we're still expected to concede more than we score. So that's never a positive. But Let's wrap things up with community questions, James. So first up, we have Morty. His Twitter handle is at WiscoMorty. And we'll tag everyone that we answer questions for under the episode tweet. So you can see who we're talking about if you'd like to interact and, and that sort of thing or give them an answer on their question. So Morty asked, 
what are what are your thoughts on the capacity at Bramley Moore? What's the ideal capacity for this club? So we know that the club have announced that the number that they're going with is 52K with the potential to rise to, I believe, 60. For me, that's pretty spot on. You could perhaps make the argument for 60 to expand to more than that, 70 or so. My thought is I'd rather go with 52 and have a fantastic atmosphere with safe standing sections and and those types of things. And then if that goes well, then we can always make it bigger. And I just don't want to see us overshoot, go for shoot for the moon and end up, you know, having empty seats. I'd rather have a full stadium at 52 than have a 70K and sell 60,000. You know what I mean? I absolutely agree with you. That's a pretty common thing. I know it, at least in the United States, specifically for football stadiums, because my former college is in the process of rebuilding theirs. And the idea is is essentially build something that you feel optimistic you can still grow into, but then it has the ability and the architecture to essentially build larger in the future. So I think I think that's a good number because I'm pretty sure Everton Stadium right now is around 36K, Goodison Park. So allow us to grow into it, see what happens there, make sure we're filling the stadium unlike Man City, and then move on. So next up, Joe, Twitter handle is at just underscore float. Who deserves to be our captain going forward? No one is sadder than me that the answer isn't automatically Seamus Coleman. I don't know, Joe. I might be sadder than you that it's not automatically Seamus Coleman. For me, the captain going forward is has to be considered, you know, within the context of this season specifically. I think right now we've seen Tom Davies do a pretty good job as captain. Being a really young player, it can be hard to kind of command the type of presence that might be necessary to be a captain. I don't think there's an easy answer to this question. There's no one that sticks out because if they did, they'd be captain. We've had Gilfie wear the band, armband a few times. I don't see any of our new signings really fitting that role nicely. I wouldn't hate to see Jordan Pickford wear the armband. Uh, he tends to be very vocal on the pitch. Sometimes it's hard to have your keeper as your captain, but I don't know. I'm going to go with either Tom Davies or Jordan Pickford just based on, you know, Tom Davies shows a lot of heart when playing, a type of motivation. He knows what the club means to the fans, and I think, you know, he's a good representation of that on the pitch. Alex, your take on who should be captain? I think those are pretty good shouts. I, I personally, I don't think I'd ever go with keeper just because you can't really hold hold players accountable that are uh, 60 yards in front of you. But we've been sticking with our first, second, and third choices, Jagielka, Baines, and Coleman, right? And that's just been that's just been a constant for so many years. We, we haven't had to even think about it, right? Jagielka and Baines essentially don't get playing time anymore, right? Seamus Coleman is being phased out, unfortunately, it seems. So I think Tom Davies is a pretty solid choice right now. And I might even throw Luca Dean's hat into the ring just because he's a winner and he's proven it. He's won multiple trophies at some of the biggest clubs in the world. You can tell that he communicates well and he carries himself in a confident manner. And really, that's what you need. That's what they need right now. They need a couple of those winners on the team that are going to carry themselves in a confident manner and spur each other on. And I think Luca Dean could do that too, although he was just signed. 
Yeah, I don't know how I feel about Luca Dean as captain. I agree with, you know, you want a winner, but it's more important. I think you need a vocal leader who's willing to talk to referees, you know, get in the mix. If a player is getting confronted by the opposition, someone who's going to run in there, barge in, cut them off and, you know, take the initiative and take the reins, say, hold up, you get out of my player's face that we're a team. We're working together. It, I mean, it sounds kind of generic, but I re, it, I think we're probably going to have to look for a character in the summer to bring in who can maybe grow into being the long-term captain because I don't really see it in the squad at the moment, and it's something that's been an issue for some time. All right, so moving on, we have two questions from our good friend Ola, at praise underscore Ola. First question, do you all think we should sell Coleman and buy a new right back, possibly Juan Bissaka, and have him and Kenny be one or two? one and two, or do we let Kenny move on, get a new starting right back and have Coleman be an understudy like Baines? So there's a few questions kind of mixed into this first question. Aaron Juan Basaka, if we had the opportunity to sign him, I'd sign him yesterday. He is probably going to go to one of the top clubs in Europe. He's been heavily linked with some of the upper tier Premier League clubs, as well as some clubs in, I believe, Spain and Italy. He's going to go and he's going to get a massive deal. And Crystal Palace, if they choose to sell him, are going to make an enormous profit. I don't see it, he, him as a realistic replacement at right back. As far as Kenny goes, I think it would be a real, real shame to let him leave. I think he probably... I'm, I think from what we've seen this season and, and even in glimpses last season, he has the potential to become a really, really strong long-term right back for us. Some people may have doubts about that, but I think he could be our our replacement for for Coleman. And I guess he's presumably going to get some good playing time for the rest of the season. And I guess at the end of the year, we'll kind of know where we stand at at the right back position. Yeah. And to piggyback off John Joe Kenny, right? He was the captain for the under 20s that won the World Cup, right? Along with Calvert-Lewin, Lookman, uh, I think Kieran Dowell. So he could possibly be a long-term captain. And that's a fact, okay? Furthermore, I think the issue with John Joe Kenny in terms of the fan base is the fact that we are so mesmerized by pace and flashiness of fullbacks that we forget that just four, five, six years ago, you know, old school was just the normal, right? Defend first, get forward if you can, but Kenny is really solid defensively. He can cross a ball. And he can link up play well. He works hard. He's not Kyle Walker pace, but that doesn't matter. So I really do think he could grow into into a starting right back. And, you know, I think I think it would be a positive. So Ola's next question, is Arteta a good replacement if Silva has to go? He doesn't have much managerial experience, but he's been an understudy to Pep, and he could be an excellent man manager who could motivate the players like Zidane. I'm going to firmly put the brakes on Mikel Arteta as any sort of replacement for Marco Silva. A, I don't think we need to be talking about sacking Marco Silva yet. B, he's never been the manager of any sort of club at any level. And so to give him a job like this, managing a club with our level of ambition, I think would be a huge mistake and could really backfire horribly. The point about him being a good man manager certainly stands but does he have the tactical know-how? The Is he the complete package? No, he's completely unproven and it would just be too much of a risk. And yes, he understands the club 
played for us for a long time, but it just seems like too much of a risk. I think if we were to replace Silva, we would want to go with someone with more of a proven record and not less of one. That's just my take on it. Yeah, I'm sorry, Ola. I'm going to have to agree with James on this one. Not enough experience. You know, I think at this point, we really just need some stability. I don't think there's any way Silva's going to be gone before at the earliest January 2020, right? He's going to have half of next season, I believe, as well. So, And lastly, before we move on to the next question, shout out to Ola. I hope you get that job. Let us know. Keep us updated. So next up, Josh O'Grady at, you guessed it, Josh O'Grady. How many points do you think Everton will end up finishing with this season? And who has been the standout player for Everton? So for the rest of the season, it's it could be pretty bleak. Blues. It could be a very bleak situation. It can be hard to see where the points might come from, especially with our run of home games that we have against a lot of the top six. However, we do have remaining games against Cardiff, Newcastle, West Ham, Fulham, Palace, and Burnley. I can very easily see us getting a point off Cardiff, a point off Newcastle, beating West Ham, beating Fulham, getting points from both of the last two games as well. I'm going to say we're going to end up with 14 points for the rest of the year. I don't see us getting points against any of the big sides. And we'll be safe. I don't know where we're going to end up finishing. It's probably not going to be that pretty, but we'll just have to take it and run with it. All right. So you are you are aiming for 47 points this season. I'm going to cautiously go for 50 points this season. I think we could see a draw or two from some of the bigger matches, especially if some of those clubs go further in European competition. And obviously when you're in the semifinals or the quarterfinals, you're not focusing on playing Everton away, unfortunately. So I think that 50 could be a pretty solid point target, at least. In terms of my standout player for Everton this season, it's going to be, it's going to have to be Luca Dean. I don't know anyone that would argue that. Do you agree, James? I think he's been a fantastic player and very well could be our player of the season, but I'm going to go with, as far as standout player, I'm going to say Michael Keane because after last year, there were plenty of people willing to write him off. After we spent 30 million on him, people were saying, this guy's not good enough. He played at Burnley and he was playing, you know, very unexpansive soccer. He, He doesn't have the ability to play in a more free role, a more expansive role as a center back. I think he's put all of those questions to rest. He's been fantastic, our most consistent center back by a mile. I mean, Kurt Zuma has been great on loan, but to see the level of improvement for Michael Keane has been one of the shining, few shining spots from the team this year. So that's my pick. Um, Been very impressed with him and still think, you know, he can be a valuable asset for us for some time. Good shout, good shout. So next up, we have Keiki. At Baron Von Cake, how does the individual player stats compare when we were playing before and after the Derby and what's changed in terms of formation, play style, position? So the first thing has been, I think, the press. The urgency of our play in general has seemingly dropped off, especially without the ball. We seem more content to let teams try to come at us and break us down. Whereas at the start of the year, we saw a lot of pro- proactiveness, proactivity with getting on opposition in their own half, not letting them sit back and just pass the ball around the back. 
And it was a smart press and it was a situational press, but it seems to have become even more situational where we're not having that relentlessness that is kind of required when you do want to play that style. So I would like to see some of that aggressiveness return to the team in our remaining games. And hopefully, you know, for some time we were leading the league in balls one back in the opponent's half of the field. I would like to see that type of thing come back because if we're winning it back in the opposition half, they don't have the opportunity to bring it down into our third, win free kicks and subsequent goals off set pieces. Yep, absolutely spot on. It's interesting because that was like Silva's thing is is an aggressive press and the team looked good doing it early on in the season, but it's switched and you know that's that's a subtle difference that maybe some fans wouldn't pick up on, but it shows you that he's adjusting tactics. He's adjusting his style of play. You know, obviously the the zonal marking is the key word, right? But at the end of the day, he's showing some flexibility. I think I would also like to see the aggressive press back, but nonetheless, so the formation, really, he's started to try new things. I've seen right that midfield pivot that we talked about. So we were playing like Ghana and Gomez kind of holding. And then we'd play Sigurdsson at the 10 and he would just kind of roam around. Well, we then saw Gomez holding and then we had Sigurdsson and Davies and both of them would kind of roam around as kind of two box to box or attacking midfielders. And I liked that a whole lot better because I felt that we were more fluid. We could pass the ball better, quicker. And then furthermore, we saw, unfortunately, Gilfie out wide left last match. And although it was awful. It shows that he's trying new things in the formation and, and how he's setting players up. And that's a positive. Yeah, I'm fully with you on that. And we know, you know, some of the statistical stuff, <clears throat> we were looking at the stats to try to pull in some, you know, see what we could find as far as has there been a distinct statistical drop off since the Derby. There really hasn't been too much on an individual player basis. We're scoring less goals. We know that creating less opportunities as a team but like the overall player ratings and pass completion percentages seem to be somewhat consistent. I think what stands out to me the most is that the team as a whole have been pretty cons- inconsistent throughout the course of the whole year. And it just teams have up and down bits of form. We're in a really bad bit of form. I don't think the sky is falling like many fans might make it out. I think this is a rough patch, but we still have some really, really positive bright spots. And what frustrates me is like Gilfie Sigurdsson has probably been you know top three players for us this year. And yet, because he has five or six, maybe seven, not fantastic games in a row, all of a sudden he's the whipping boy of the whole team. He still has almost double-digit goals and has the most assists in the team. So while his form's dropped off, and I know you've said this, Alex, he's still a really, really good player and an important player in our system. It just becomes, how do you get him back to his best? And I don't know the answer to that. I think... He's still best in the number 10. The shouts for Bernard to bring him in as a number 10. Just people are desperate to try something else because it's now seems to be broken. And if it's broken, you need to fix it. Whereas before we were saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's now become, we've got to try everything we possibly can to get creative and fix this issue. But I think we just need to be able to to possess the ball better and make sure that we're getting our midfield players involved because it seems like Gilfie goes missing and that's the biggest critique of him is that he's not consistently involved in games over the course of the 90 minutes. Yeah, that's fair. In terms of 
Obviously, stats don't tell it all, but who scored shows you that Luca Dean followed by Sigurdsson and then Keane have been the best performers on average across the season. I think that's pretty fair to say. So our last community question from Derek Bean at Yes Derek, what should we be rooting for the rest of the season? Should it be good results, lineup slash formation experimentation, Liverpool collapse? D, all of the above for me. Uh Honestly, I think the results, as long as we don't get relegated, the results, if we keep losing, it's going to become much more tedious and it's already become sort of tedious to continue to watch this team week in, week out. It's frustrating. We know what we're capable of having seen it earlier and to see that not continue to play out, a lot of fans are fed up. But I do think it goes back to what we've been saying all year. This was kind of a wash, like this whole season was a wash. And so I think the most important thing that we should be rooting for would be the lineup and formation experimentation to see what type of different team Silva wants to put out, try something different tactically because from, you know, up to now it kind of has been one note, no real diversity in the tactics. So if things aren't working, you have to change. You have to find something that works. So perhaps going back to the three slash five at the back formation, because that has worked pretty well in the limited amount of time that we've seen it. Give Adam Lookman some time on the right. Give him some time on the left. Try Richarlison. Maybe go back up top. Doing different combinations. Getting switching up the midfield. Seeing what we can do. Those types of things. You know, what we want to see is the progression and the building blocks and the foundation being laid for next season. Which you would hope if we bring in five or six more players like we did the previous summer, move the dead weight out. Then we're going to be looking at a much more positive Everton situation and perhaps can push for a realistically you know the sixth and seventh spot absolutely agreed couldn't have said it better myself it's really just about learn what what you have in each of these players and see who you really think can stick around for the long term so to wrap things up we really appreciate you guys tuning in we are really excited for a lot of guests that we are scheduling over the next coming couple of months, actually, we are scheduling way ahead of time. And so please be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, have a fantastic rest of your weekend without the misery that is Everton Football Club. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.